Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Newton Group Transfer, they are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com, Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. This is The Jesse Kelly Show. So why didn't the FBI stop him? Oh, we'll talk about that today. We will talk about Kamala Harris having a one-on-one with Bill Clinton. What, Chris? I'm not going to be inappropriate. Stop. 
877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Apparently, I touched off a nerve yesterday with the accusation, the unfounded accusation that I have a communist fetish. It's inappropriate. It's wrong. And I don't appreciate these emails I'm holding that are agreeing with that wrong listener. Oh, God, she's homely. (laughs) Quit, Chris. Stop playing that. Quit. So, yes, we're going to get to the potential Biden filibuster. To Democrat obsession with guns. Democrat obsession with abortion. Have you ever wondered why? We're going to dig into the psychology of all that today. Let's figure out why. But before we do that, I'm not going to lie. I'm excited about this one. I, I Obviously, I'm a history freak. This is not news to anybody. But some of them get the old motor running more than others. Not that kind of motor, Chris. Gosh. Oh, by the way, we have Tiana Lowe coming up next hour. She's a little bit Asian. She has, she's had some things to say about the uh, Asian crimes, all the crimes on Asian people in America. She has some thoughts on that. I'll be anxious to hear her thoughts. And in the last hour, Christy Nome. We have a writer coming on, Margot Cleveland. She's going to talk to us about Christy Nome and what happened there. But first, there was a man named Napoleon. Maybe you've heard of him. And he was a fascinating person and somebody that they always throw Napoleon in. When you talk to anybody today, especially, you know, professors and things like that, they'll throw in Napoleon's name with Hitler like it's nothing. Well, you know, the the tyrants like Hitler and Napoleon. And I don't think that's fair. I'm sorry. I don't think that's fair. There's no question Napoleon was a conqueror. There's no question because of his ambition and because of the wars he started, lots of people died. I'm not questioning that at all. Uh, Napoleon was no Hitler. Napoleon, as you'll find out today, some really cool things about him. Napoleon's people loved him, would lay down and die for him. Hitler was a monster. Half his own people wanted him dead and tried to do so. That was not Napoleon, not at all. And let's begin at the beginning because today is actually about Waterloo. It's about Napoleon's end. And I would need a 25-hour show to do an entire show, to do all of his life. So let's do a brief recap on who Napoleon was. Boy, short, pretty brilliant. Works his way into the military academy. And he's a star. He's just, I, 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 they obviously didn't have the tests back then. Almost undoubtedly, Napoleon was a genius. Certainly a military genius. Napoleon has this line that comes off as super arrogant. And I guess in a way it is super arrogant. But Napoleon has this line at the end of his life, we're, we're now clear at the end of his life. This is when, you know, post everything. He's writing his memoirs and such, and it's all over. All the conquering, all the stuff's done. Napoleon has this line, and it goes, 
I have fought 60 battles, and I have learned nothing which I did not know at the beginning. What that means is this. When Napoleon was in school, in his military academy, and Napoleon was reading books, reading what this general did, and this tactic here, and this small unit tactic there, and this battle, and how this battle worked out. You know, you know how much you remember about school? Not much, right, if we're being honest. You, have, you remember a few high points, probably a couple parties. Maybe that, maybe that dude you dated, that dime you dated for a couple times. But that's about your school experience. Maybe a couple things from a couple subjects. But you've moved on. Your life, your brain can only hold so much. Yeah, not Napoleon. He remembered all of it. He's just one of these guys. He, he walked into being a junior officer fresh out of the military academy. And this dude was simply ready to lead men. And he was a general at the age of 24. I still can't wrap my mind around this. And I understand people matured differently back in the day. At the age of 24, I'm almost positive I was still melting chunks of Velveeta on my sandwiches before I ate them. I'm not exaggerating that at all. <laughs> Chris, it's Chris, yeah. At 24? At the age of 24, I I think my car at the when I was 24, that was what, 15 years ago, I seriously think my car I paid $3,000 for it, I believe. I'm not making this up. 24 years old, he's leading armies and not leading armies as in, you know, somebody just handed him the keys because daddy was important. No. It was just one of these this dude's so brilliant, give him the keys to the car. This guy has to lead and brave, absurdly brave. Now, I'm not going to go into the rest of his rise. He, he essentially tosses out the monarchy in Europe. He is a necessary changer of the way things were. And up to that point in Europe, kings and queens ruled. Napoleon thought there was a better way. Again, I think these Hitler comparisons are absurd. Yes, he ended up being a tyrant and an emperor, no question. But he was a tyrant and an emperor that was all about people's rights, the rights of the individual. You are not just some some cog in the wheel. You are a God-blessed individual with sacred rights. He was all about the people. All about, and himself, too. He had a gigantic ego. I'm not going to deify the guy, but I think, like I said, I think the Hitler comparisons are absurd. Leads an army after, and, and something you should know about Europe at this time, I guess I should set up. There is France. There is England. There is Austria. There is Prussia. And there is Russia. Now, the reason I bring up those is those are the major countries at this time. There's not really a Germany yet, although that will really, Prussia will become that. But that's it. France, England, Prussia, Austria, Russia. Those are the big, big cheeses right now. And the monarchs in charge of those countries really would like to stay monarchs. Napoleon, he wants a different way. French Revolution happens. They're looking for some leadership. It's over. Napoleon leads, tosses out the monarchy, and eventually sets his sights on Russia. Whoops. Marches 650,000 men into Russia 
It was it was called the Grand Army, not Grand Army. I've been lectured about that before. Grand Army. I, I know, Chris. It's A R M E E with some kind of weird. So I don't know. Look, I'm an American. I don't pay attention to these things. But that's what it was called. Napoleon's Grand Army marches into Russia. Napoleon promptly beats the crap out of everyone he faces, as he always did, and then finds himself in Moscow. Well, dang those Russians if they haven't always been this way. Russians are painfully aware of the dangers of the Russian climate and terrain. What did they do in Moscow? They just left and burnt most of the city down. Okay, Napoleon, well, now you're in Moscow. It's starting to get a little bit chilly, and you don't have the provisions to stay there with 650,000 men. What's Napoleon going to do? Well, he makes one of the major mistakes of his career. We will talk about that as we continue this. And the FBI, time for us to have a talk. Hang on. Jesse Kelly, on air and online at jessekellyshow.com. Eden Pure Thunderstorm. Even the name is cool. I mean, yes, it's an air purifier. And when I say air purifier, I need to clarify something, because I have had an air purifier or purifiers in my home for a long, long time. This is by far the best one ever. It doesn't make noise. It doesn't have a filter I have to replace every other day. And it doesn't cover up odors. It removes them completely. It makes your home smell better. It makes your home feel better. Those allergies you're struggling with right now, the itchy eyes, the runny nose, I had those too. I don't wake up with those anymore. That's what the Eden Pure Thunderstorm can do for you. Go get one. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. And get this, when you use the code word JESSE at checkout, that actually gets you 10 bucks off. EdenPureDeals.com, code word JESSE. There are some there are some hard truths coming today. <laughs> oh, this FBI stuff is look. We're gonna have to accept something, you and I. We're gonna have to accept some bitter pills. But such is life. And I'm going to address the absurdity of these communist fetish emails. I won't have it. I won't be framed like this, Chris. What? I will not be framed like this in a false way. Back to Napoleon. 877-377-4373. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Remember, it's, uh, I'm looking at my watch. It's Wednesday. Ask Dr. Jesse Friday is right around the corner. I know, Chris, it comes up on you fast. It comes, I'm still glowing from last Ask Dr. Jesse Friday. I mean, I know what you're thinking. Oh, Jesse, that's your natural glow. But no, it's just, it's from the show itself. Email your love, your hate, your death threats, 
your absurd communist fetish takes, and your Ask Dr. Jesse questions. All your emails go right to Jewish producer Chris. He prints them off for me. I read them on the air. And like I said, you don't have to call live if you call. If you leave a voicemail, we'll play that too, as you've heard. Napoleon finds himself in Moscow. He thinks he's basically won. He sends a runner. I'm paraphrasing a lot of this because I'm trying to get to Waterloo. Sends a runner to essentially the Moscow leadership saying, to the Russian leadership saying, hey, you guys give up. The Russian leadership, in an all-time brilliant move, there's some argument over whether or not they did it on purpose. They just didn't send anything back. So Napoleon's waiting there, he's waiting for someone to come bring him a sword or something like that. But they just didn't say anything, and Napoleon's waiting and waiting and waiting for three weeks. He's waiting, and it's getting colder and colder and colder. And finally, you know, I'm going to do an entire show on this, so I'm going to I'm going to jump past it. Finally, he has to leave. Winter is here, and they're I mean, they're being eaten by wolves. They're eating their horses. There is a lot of rumor that they're eating each other. The 650,000 man army leaves Russia with less than 100,000 men left, and they're on the run. They're ragged, strung out. They are. It is a disaster. Only this is a man who at this point in time had basically conquered Europe. And I mean conquered Europe. It was all his. And now he's on the run and his army's on the run. So they all start smelling weakness in the air and they all hound him, chase him down, grab him. It's over. And he gets banished to a place called Elba. Now this banishment, I want to be clear. He was not thrown in a dungeon on Elba. It was really, uh, he's way too popular to kill. So many people love him. It looks bad if we just lop off the head of the man who was just the emperor and he's kind of popular. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to put in a king in place in France again, Louis XVIII. We're going to banish Napoleon to this island. And he can really do most of what he wants on the island. But he can't leave the island. And we're going to pay him a gigantic, generous pension the rest of his life. All of Europe decided on this. They all got together because he was taking over all of Europe and said, what are we going to do? All right. Hey, Louis, you're, you're, you're now the king of France again. Congratulations. I got your, I got your, stu- I got your stuff back. Um, you need to pay Napoleon a huge pension. Just, just banish him. Banish him to the island, right? Well, Napoleon goes to the island. It's kind of cool. Leaders are leaders. This just always works out this way. And you throw a leader in any scenario, eventually he's going to lead something. Napoleon gets to Elba and immediately doesn't like the conditions on the island, thinks they're too poor and stuff like that. He starts building roads and rebuilding the society. He takes over Elba. He's essentially the king of it. They didn't even really nominate him. He just walks in. He's like, oh, well, that's not going to work. You, get over here. We're going to fix this. We're going to fix that. Except a couple things are going on back in France. One, Louis XVIII is historically a disaster of a human being. He was reportedly a huge glutton, uh, morbidly obese, not a man who was able to um, procreate with the ladies, which was fa- this was famously known in Europe. 
I don't know. I'm not going to discuss the details, Chris. He was not able to. This is a family show. He was not able to to enjoy himself with the ladies, Chris. Gosh. And he was not well thought of. And Louis XVIII, he didn't want to pay Napoleon his pension. And he didn't send any money to Napoleon. And the people in Europe, they may not all have loved Napoleon. I don't want to act like they were all throwing rose petals at his feet. But the people in Europe, they were done with the monarchy. That's why Napoleon was able to rise. They didn't want a king again. Louis XVIII gets there and the people in France are all, wait a minute. I liked Napoleon. He was fine. Who are you? I don't want you back here. Napoleon is getting word about all this. And keep in mind, I should note, in their defense, England at this point is begging Louis XVIII to give Napoleon his pension. They're like, hey, we finally got him on the island. Please give him his pension. This is going to be a problem. Do you realize we finally got rid of this guy? Please get him to the island. I mean, this guy had terrorized Europe, but they won't. And of course, Napoleon escapes. It was not, when I say escape, I don't want to make it sound like Papillon rafting across the ocean from a penal colony. Escapes is he just simply got on one of the boats on the island and sailed it to shore, but he's not allowed to do this. And he gets to France. Remember, he's not supposed to be there. Has about a thousand troops waiting for him. And this is one of the coolest historical moments ever. He has a thousand guys waiting for him. Decides he's not going to march on Paris. He doesn't have any desire to fight Frenchmen. He's not there to tear through the French countryside. He shows up and essentially says... I've only got a thousand dudes. I understand you hate Louis. I don't know if you want me or want me back. I thought we had a good thing going, but I leave it up to you. Napoleon starts traveling with his thousand men, and he's being greeted very, very well. And Louis freaks out, sends an army unit out to meet Napoleon and defeat him. Thinks he's going to have to fight him. This army unit that outnumbers Napoleon lines up in front of him. Napoleon lines up with his thousand men. In a moment, oh man, this honestly might be my number one moment in history. I know I've said this a thousand times. In what has to be the coolest scene ever, Napoleon gets down off his horse, walks out in front of the army that was sent to oppose him, and says, and I quote, If you wish to kill your emperor, here I am. They drop to their knees and flock around him and say, Viva la emperor. And they immediately come over to his side and join him. This does not happen once. This happens multiple times. Units are sent to stop Napoleon. They show up. He doesn't have to fight any of them. They just show up and they're like, oh, gosh, it's good to have you back, boss. Let's rock and roll. How awesome is that? And he sh- Does this sound like Hitler to you? And he's showing up in towns and people are throwing flowers at him and rose petals, rose, rose petals, rose petals, and viva la emperor. And Napoleon is back. Louis XVIII, it should be mentioned, 
He sees the writing on the wall wisely and hightails it out of there. Louis XVIII takes off. Napoleon wants peace. Will he have it? We're just going to have to wait and see. Hang on. I didn't want to quit dipping tobacco. I I wish I could sit here and tell you that I did. I I wish I could tell you that I'm a good person. And I just woke up one day and thought, wow, I don't like this anymore. I think I'll quit. I never got to that point, ever. Now, I knew I should. I knew it was bad for me. That's not news. But I didn't ever want to quit. So somebody like me who loved it, well, I needed help. And I mean real help. I don't need a piece of gum. I don't need a patch on my arm. I need something that's going to get me in that transition from dipping to not dipping. Well, Jake's Mint Chew is what does that. Jake's Mint Chew is tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. They even have little, little CBD pouches that really take the edge off. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 20% off. She's homely. <laughs> Chris, stop playing that. Stop playing that. Jennifer Saki is not homely. That's enough. You can find me on social media at Jesse Kelly DC on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find me on Locals. That's the one I can't get kicked off of. I have been relentlessly and unfairly attacked by you people. For being honest about a couple things, I mentioned in passing a few shows ago that I thought Rachel Maddow was kind of hot. That set people off. And then I admit it about Jennifer Saki, and now everyone's bringing up old stuff that I said about Ilhan Omar and AOC. I have been unfairly labeled. I will, I, I will sue for libel, Chris. I will sue. I actually don't even totally understand what libel means, to be totally honest with you. But, look, they didn't cover that at my community college, okay? All right, before I get into our disastrous FBI, uh, with a gigantic swing and a miss again, what a shock. Let's get back into Napoleon, the end of Napoleon. Napoleon gets banished to Elba, comes back to France. Louis XVIII takes off because all the armies he's setting to defeat Napoleon join Napoleon Napoleon takes back over in France and he wants peace. I can't I can't emphasize this enough. The rest of Europe is in a full-blown panic, understandably. I don't want to make them all look like a bunch of paranoid wingnuts. Napoleon had just spent a bunch of time kicking the crap out of all of them, but Napoleon takes over France. He is older. He is reportedly fatter now. I don't, they all mention his weight at this point in time. So old boy must have got on Elba and blew up. He is suffering from physical ailments right now. 
Um, in his butt. He's had, he has hemorrhoids. Okay, I wasn't sure how to put it, so I figured I might as well just put it out there. He has hemorrhoids, really bad hemorrhoids, and this is actually going to come into play for our story. He can't ride a horse that well. They're so bad he can't really get out on a horse. And Napoleon was very much a on-the-horse commander. Get up here, move here, do this, do that. I apologize for having to use the word hemorrhoids to a nationally syndicated audience. I wasn't sure how to put it any other way. His butt hurt, okay? He couldn't get in the saddle. It is a miracle the show is growing, Chris. I swear on my life. The rest of Europe, though, they're not going to let this stand. Now, what aren't they going to Look, they're not going to let Napoleon's existence stand. And why is that? Let's pause for a moment before we get to the end of the story. Why is it that the rest of Europe hated him so much? It wasn't just the loss of life. Let's be honest. The guys at the top, the monarchs and such, they don't really care that much about some soldiers dying. Well, what Napoleon was, was a gigantic system disruptor. The European monarchy system had been in place for a long time. When systems are in place for a long time, they grow deep, deep, deep roots When somebody starts to dig those roots out, when somebody starts to poison those roots, there is a response. The rest of Europe was never going to let Napoleon just hang out and be in charge of France because they couldn't risk the system disruptor spreading that message to the rest of Europe again. They begin to build armies. Napoleon decides, okay, I'm in trouble here. They're all building armies again against me. I don't have the resources I had before. I better go on the offensive against the armies that are already built and try to wipe them out first, which he unquestionably had to do. Allow me to give you a little tip if you're ever, I hope you never are, if you're ever in the situation where you have to fight Multiple people, you do not let them come to you. You hit first and hit hard because your only chance is to remove one of them from the situation before you have to take on both. Because even professional fighters can't take on multiple people at a time. It doesn't work that way except in the movies. Napoleon takes on this strategy. He charges into Belgium with 125,000 men. Now, what is waiting for him in Belgium? Two other names I'm going to give you. They may be the last two names of the day. But there is a Prussian army there of also 125,000 people under a man named Blucher or Blucher, depending on who you're listening to. I'll probably call him Blucher, and I'm sure that's wrong. I'll get hate mail over that. And there's an English army there under a man I hope you've heard of, the Duke of Wellington. Now, I'll be honest with you. Pause here for a brief second. I have to admit, I have a huge historical, and it's not blind spot, a huge historical aversion to something, which is why I haven't done very many stories on it. You may not have even noticed. You probably haven't. But because I lack a certain, what do they call it, shame gene, I just come out and say the terrible things about me, I avoid a lot of English history. 
not because I'm anti-English. I'm actually a huge admirer of the nation, of the empire they were. I have known a few of their troops modern day, and I have a huge admiration for those guys. Those guys are studs. I I think it's really cool. I, I don't have any problems with England. I think it's very difficult to tell stories about England because of all the Duke of this, Earl of that, Prince of this, King of that. It, it, it makes stories incredibly confusing. That's the Lord of Walnut dealing with the, the, the Duke of Peacock, and he was, he was the, Earl, or the Earl of Grapeseed, and, and, and I'm already lost. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about, and when you try to read stories and dig through stories on this, it's very hard to go into all the dukes and earls and lords and things. It's just it's difficult, so I haven't done hardly any history stories on it because I think it makes it hard to make the story interesting. And I probably should do more of those because it is a cool history with knights and crossbows and swords and armor and spears and such. But the only duke I'm going to talk about today, his name is Wellington. He has 100,000 dudes. Now, his 100,000 dudes are pretty green. He's got about half of a real trained English army and about half of uh, countries Britain is in charge of. Pretty green troops, a lot of guys he doesn't trust. The plan for those two, for for the Prussian army and the English army, is to wait. Let's not attack Napoleon yet. We're building up huge armies back at home. Other countries are building up huge armies. You don't really want to take on Napoleon. Let's just wait. Hang on. Napoleon, though, is no dummy. He knows, just like that fight situation I was describing for you, he does not have the luxury of waiting. He must press. He takes one of his marshals, his main marshal. The man's name was Ney. That's the last name I'll give you today. Marshal Ney. You probably should know that name a fanatically brave human being, a leader of men under Napoleon, and just did some awesome stuff. He has Ney take one-third of his troops and take off towards, well, take off towards the English. Napoleon's plan is, hey, Ney, you go head towards the English. Distract them a little. You don't have to focus on them too much, but make sure they're focused on you. I'm going to take two-thirds of my army and go land a knockout punch on Prussia, then we can gather back up together again and finish off the English. His plan for these two armies, which are separate armies, is to take them on one at a time. He takes on Prussia. You want to know how that goes? I'll tell you in a second, and then we'll get to your FBI with another gigantic whiff. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. No word in the English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date? Sure. Um, We'll probably stay together. Probably? (laughs) It's been 23 minutes since I ate. I can probably swim. Uh, you should wait 30 minutes. Mm, Okay, now tell me what to do. Cannonball! Cramp! Oh, I have a cramp. I can probably hit the green from here. Probably. 
Can I get a mulligan? Ready to go? Hey, are you sure you're okay to drive? Yeah, I'm pretty sober. Yeah, I'm probably okay. Probably okay isn't okay, especially when it comes to drinking and driving. If you're drinking, call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. We're still waiting for more information regarding the shooter, his motive, the weapons he used, the guns, the magazines, the weapons, the modifications that apparently have taken place to those weapons that are involved here. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common-sense steps that will save the lives in the future and to urge my colleagues in the House and Senate to act. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again. I got that done when I was a senator. It passed. It was law for the longest time. And it brought down these mass killings. We should do it again. We can close the loopholes in our background check system, including the Charleston loophole. That's one of the best tools we have right now to prevent gun violence. Gun violence. I hope my guns at home aren't hurting anybody right now, Chris. You never know. Sometimes they just break out and start shooting, baby. We'll talk about that in a few. It is me, Jesse, the Shogun Kelly. And yes, I don't need any more emails. I know Cinco de Mayo is coming. Rest assured, there will be a sombrero. Rest assured, we are working on the in-studio mariachi band. I was a little sticker-shocked at Chris's $400-an-hour cost. Maybe we'll find a discount band. What, Chris? How about, surely they can't all be $400. It's three dudes. They're wearing the Three Amigos outfits. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's finish up with Napoleon. He takes on Russia. He's out in, or Prussia, I'm sorry. Not Russia, Prussia. It gets confusing. He takes on Prussia, slams into Prussia. Blucher is a good man, a good commander. He's not Napoleon, though. They take on Prussia. Napoleon beats him. Prussia has to back away. But, and this is important, it was not a total rout. Napoleon didn't slaughter the Prussians to the last man. It was more of an orderly, okay, you win the day, we'll back away thing. But they don't back away too far. Napoleon turns now and focuses on Wellington. He outnumbers Wellington a little. Remember, Wellington doesn't have his best troops. Napoleon does, for the most part. Napoleon has good troops. They decide it's time to get it on. Wellington is on one ridge line. Then there's a valley in between them. Napoleon is on the other ridge line. But Napoleon has a problem that Wellington very much does not have. And many people say this is a difference in the battle. Napoleon does not have time on his side. Wellington does. Every single minute this battle goes on, 
Napoleon's chances of success go down. Why? Well, one, remember that Prussian army that's not totally routed? They're still out there. They've already gathered up again, and they're marching back towards Napoleon from 12 miles away. And other nations are building armies. Napoleon is in a hurry. The Duke of Wellington, he knows this. He is not a dumb man. And the Duke of Wellington, we don't talk enough about him. I should probably do a show on him. This dude was a savvy military dude as well. Came up doing a bunch of fighting in India. A well thought. This is not some sit on his sit on his rear end with the feet on the desk general. This is a good dude. Napoleon has to try to charge Wellington as much as humanly possible. Wellington doesn't have to charge Napoleon. So they're exchanging cannon fire, one ridge to the other ridge, back and forth and back and forth. Wellington's cannon fire is blowing Napoleon's guys apart. And remember, cannonballs weren't always exploding. There were some exploding shells, no doubt. There were, when you're using them against men, there's something called grape shot. And I don't have to explain that to you. I'm sure you can picture in your mind what that is and what that would do to a human body. Just picture a gigantic shotgun and what that would do to people. And he's pounding the French with this. Napoleon's firing back, but Wellington takes all his men and puts them on the other side of the ridgeline behind his cannons because he doesn't have to charge. He can just sit and wait and blow Napoleon's guys out of the water as they charge across the valley. Napoleon is essentially in an impossible situation now. There is a fortress on the English flank because Napoleon is not one to sit back and just give up. He knows he has to outflank the English. This is one of the ones, I mean, you you could make a movie just about this fortress and what happened here. The English send a unit to this little fortress. It's this dumpy little fortress They work all night long stacking wagons and things on the gates because they know the French are going to come for it. They're packing mud. It's pouring rain. They're packing mud into the holes. They're getting ready. The French start coming for it in droves. There's musket fire, cannon fire. Uh, There is fighting with shovels and bayonets and bare hands. It is just some of the most horrible hand-to-hand combat ever. It sounds awesome. We're going to wrap up the Battle of Waterloo. Let's dig into our own problems. What what say you? Hang on. Super Beats heart chews don't taste like beets. And I know I'm supposed to, I know I'm supposed to come on here and I'm supposed to give you all the amazing health benefits, you know, non-GMO, they're plant-based, they're even gluten-free, no preservatives, naturally flavored, all these, I'm supposed to say all these things, right? Great for your heart, great for your, great for your blood pressure. And, and all that stuff's true. That's fine. That's fine. But none of that would matter to me if they tasted disgusting. None of that would matter to me if they tasted like beets, but they don't. I choose the pomegranate berry flavor. I sit down every single night with dinner, and when I'm done with my dinner, these things taste so good. I I admit I have a little bit of a sweet tooth. These things are my dessert every single night. 
It's not a burden. It's enjoyable. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. When you do that and buy two bags, they give you the third free. Remember, the entire show, if you miss any part of it, if you miss our history segment today about Waterloo, if you miss Tiana Lowe coming up halfway through next hour, if you miss Margot Cleveland in the last hour blasting away at Christy Nome, I may even challenge her on some of that because I'm not ready to just chuck Christy Nome away just yet. She's way too hot. No, I'm kidding. She's, she's been a valuable leader in our movement. But if you miss any of that, you can get the whole show. It's podcasted on iHeart, on Google, on Spotify, and on iTunes. On iTunes, leave a five-star review, five-star rating after you subscribe, and then leave a review discussing how incredibly handsome I am. These are these are important, really important reviews. What, Chris? They are. They're really important reviews for the show. All right. Time to wrap up Waterloo. And the headline is FBI new Boulder, Colorado suspect identity prior to shooting. Oops. Jesse Kelly Show. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. Now, for most states, patrol agents in the Rio Grande Valley to legally purchase a rifle. And the age required to cast a ballot are both 18. However, there's some shocking disparities in uh, legal state requirements for obtaining a weapon versus casting a ballot. In 25 states, voters must be registered and have specific forms of ID in order to cast a ballot. But those same states allow people to buy rifles without permits and require no background checks for some sales. Additionally, in a majority of states, new voters are able to obtain a rifle quicker than they're able to cast their first ballot. <laughs> I can't. I can't with these people. It is the world-famous Jesse Kelly show. Don't shake your head, Chris. We're, everybody knows. I'm proud that we have a bunch of Polish listeners. No, we seriously have listeners in a bunch of different countries. But you know I love the Poles because of how much they hate communists over there. I love that we have a bunch of listeners in Poland. So it's now world famous. And, in fact, I'm going to need to go ahead and get that on a T-shirt. Before we get to the FBI, let's finish up Waterloo here. 
It's not as if the French went out there and laid down. They fought like lions. They would charge and get beat back. And then at one point, the English would charge and get beat back. Back and forth and back and forth. The British formed themselves into squares, which is exactly what you would picture, trying to prevent a cavalry charge from breaking them up. And horses are not stupid. I mean, just the barbarity, the barbarity of combat. Horses are not stupid. They don't want to charge into a bunch of bayonets and muskets and such. One French officer bayonets his own horse because the horse won't charge forward to get it to charge forward. It charges forward anyway after he bayonets it. Of course, the horse dies. This guy lands in a pile of British soldiers, tells them, please kill me, and they won't. He kills himself. That's the kind of fighting, the savage, all-the-way nature of fighting this was. The Battle of Waterloo was a brutal, brutal affair. Well, now Prussians are starting to arrive. Napoleon had saved his 15,000 best troops for the very end. This had gone on a long time, tons of death on each side. Napoleon personally, hemorrhoids and all, because he hadn't been out there leading the charts because he couldn't. Napoleon hops in the saddle, leads his men forward. Eventually, he stops before the line as his best troops who had fought with him for so long march by, all of them chanting, Viva la Emperor, proud to go into battle for their leader. But bravery only takes you so far when your face is getting filled up with grape shot. Eventually, they break, they run. The best troops running causes the rest of the French army to rout. They take off some of the best troops as they leave, as they're, if they're, as they're running away, stop and form their own squares. Napoleon stops and jumps off his horse and jumps in one of the squares with his men ready to die at the very end. His men tell him, no, why would you give them that too? Get back on your horse, please, and live. He gets back on his horse. He leaves. Napoleon loses the Battle of Waterloo. He's eventually banished to an island not as nice as Elba. He dies. They they told me my whole life it was stomach cancer. Now, of course, they think he was poisoned slowly with arsenic over some time. I have no idea. I have no idea which one of those things is true. But I do know this. Systems. When systems are challenged, oftentimes, oftentimes, the person who challenged them, the people who challenged the system, oftentimes they will, in the short term, lose. Lose their fortunes. Sometimes in the case, like cases like this, so many even lost their lives. The system is powerful. The system can hurt you. That's why I call it a system. However, if you take a 30,000-foot view and take a step back from Napoleon's life, Napoleon's challenging of the monarchy, yeah, oh, it failed, oh, he was banished. In the end, he won. That system came crashing down. I get a lot of emails now. The reason I want to talk to you about this is I'm getting a lot of emails now because things look rough. I'm not sugarcoating anything for you. They look tough. Look stuff out there. 
Then under a Democratic president, Democrat senator, Democrat Congress, and then they controlled all of the culture. It's not like you're drowning in good news, drowning in good wins for your side. So it's tough. And I'm getting a lot of emails right now. There's nothing we can do. Is it even worth it? So on and so forth. I'm here to tell you. You're daggone right it's worth it. And I'm not here saying that you personally or me personally are going to see some great victory for what we believe in our lifetime. We might not. You probably aren't. Think about that. I'm 40. I'm 39. The Kellys don't live very long. I would guess I maybe have 70. Maybe. I'm not being, I'm not being, I'm not trying to be macabre, but the Kellys just, they don't. They don't live very long. I've, I've been I've been honest about that. That's that's the way it goes on my side of the family. So you're telling me we're going to get some huge national victory in the next 35 years I have on this earth, maybe? No. No, of course not. I'm never going to see the end of this, the, the, the fruits of our labor. Maybe you're older. You're never going to see it. That doesn't mean it's not worth doing. It's the most worth doing thing in the world. This is the future of your nation. This is your kids' kids and their kids and their kids. This is the kind of world they're going to grow up in. Do you want them to grow up in a free society? If you do, when I hope you do, then we have to fight. That's all there is to it. And I know it seems insurmountable when, when, when you talk about like what we're about to talk about here with the FBI. That's the kind of thing that makes it seem unwinnable, right? The Federal Bureau of Investigation is, is against us? The Pentagon handing out training materials that's against us? So uh, little old me, little old Joe Blow... I, I have to take on the Federal Bureau of Investigation in the United States military? Well, it's already lost. Let's, let's throw up our hands. We might as well go home and quit. No. No. Not at all. And, yes, the system is powerful. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. The system can destroy you. The system might destroy you. It might. You might not make it out of there. You might get your own face full of grape shot. Not literally, hopefully, Lord willing. No, Lord willing, you're not going to actually, but you know, you might. You might not make it out. But that doesn't mean these people are unbeatable. It just means it's going to take time. That's what I want you to take away from this. It's going to take time. The left didn't wake up. The morning after Joe Biden got the election and said to themselves, wow, look at us. We just took over everything. This is great. The left has been doing this since the 60s and before. This has been year after year after year after year of small victory and small victory and small victory. They chip away at it a little here, a little there, a little here, a little there. And then eventually they look around and, oh, man, virtually every cultural institution is controlled by us now? You have to just conquer the one inch in front of your face. 
Let's deal with the FBI and the military. Hang on. Jesse Kelly. You're listening to The Jesse Kelly Show. Superbeats heart shoes aren't just something that I do because I enjoy the taste. And, and I do enjoy the taste, as you know. I, I, I prefer the pomegranate berry flavor. They're my dessert every single night with dinner. Everybody knows that by now. But it's not something I do just because I like the taste of it. The truth is, I'm not 20 anymore. I have to be proactive with my health, proactive with my health. That means I have to do certain things. I have to eat better than I have in the past. I'm not perfect, but better. I have to make sure I'm mixing in workouts here and there. And Super Beats Heart Chews are the easiest part of that. Uh, They're good for my blood pressure. They support healthy blood pressure. They support heart health. Super Beats Heart Chews will help you get to where you need to be. Go to getsuperbeats.com slash jesse. When you buy two bags, you get the third free. Remember, we have Tiana Lowe coming up in 10 minutes. She's at least a little bit Asian, has had a bunch to say about this Asian stuff, attacks on Asians. I want to hear what she has to say about it. I love these racial topics, ethnic topics. I love talking about race and ethnicity and cultures and such. I know it's supposed to be this third reel. You're not supposed to talk about it. I guess that's probably half of why I love it because it shocks people. It makes people uncomfortable. And that's just... That's how I was raised. I don't I don't view it as as being abnormal. That's part of why I do so much history on the show. The history makes you realize what's that old biblical verse? There's nothing new under the sun. We act as if all these tensions are new. Tensions between cultures is the history of the world. That's <laughs> just the history of the world. Not that Chris's people would know anything about that. No, but in all seriousness, how many times, I mean, have you ever read a history book? This group of people are uh, refugees or immigrants into this society, and soon there are tensions. Oh, don't go to that part of town. That's the Jewish part of town. Ooh, that's the Christian part of town. That's the Italians. That's the Irish. Those are the black people. Oh, there's the Mexicans. There's the Puerto Ricans. There's the- that's the history of the world. That's how it works. Chris was telling me during the break about a part that he knows. I'm not going to go into it because I don't want to. Uh, <laughs> I'm just not going to go into it. But a part he knows is called Little Cambodia, where a bunch of Cambodian refugees had come in a long time ago, settled in one particular area. They now took over that part of town, and that was just what they did. And of course, there are eventual tensions that arise, as there always are when different cultures are butted right up against one another. I remember. I love saying this. I love saying this because it makes me sound so rich and important, Chris. We went to Europe. When we were in Europe, I've been to Europe one time. (laughs) When we were in Europe, we went to Prague, which if you ever get the chance to go to Europe, not that I know anything about it because I've been there once, but if you ever get the chance to go to Europe, Prague was freaking sweet. 
I mean, really cool. A lot of it was just, I mean, normal stuff. A lot of the stuff I saw in Europe. But one, the castles are so cool. You can stand up on these castles on the hilltops and look out on the cannons, and they'll tell you about an army that was coming. And, you know, I get off on that, so that was cool. But in Prague, you're looking at a map of Prague, and uh, they're laying out what the city used to look like because it's so old. And at one point, you're looking, and it's the Jewish quarter. And you're like, hey, what's the Jewish quarter? He's like, oh, that was a crappy part of town. And they simply explain. The Jews were not thought of well, and we've gone over this a thousand times. I'm not going to go into the reasons why again. But they, the Jews were not thought of as well. They were very much the minority and kind of ostracized. It was a very Christian, Catholicized Europe that thought you shouldn't lend money for interest. Not a problem for Jews. Jews ran all the banks. That's the history of that. You loan people money with interest. You're not going to make too many friends. That's just the way it goes. And so Jews, and plus there was that old, I mean, the whole you people killing Christ thing, Chris. But no, in all seriousness, they were obviously not well thought of. So they put them in the lower parts of town. If you go to Prague, the Jewish quarter, and they had pogroms and stuff there too. And there was a a Holocaust stuff that went on in the Czech Republic. And you go see some concentration camp stuff. But the Jewish part of Prague was the low part by the river. Why? That's the part that flooded when the river rose. None of the people with money wanted to live there. So that's where we're going to stuff all the Jews. Do you think there was ever tension between the Jews and the other parts of Prague? Yeah, there's tension. So that's why I love talking about it. Headline from the conservative treehouse. FBI knew the Boulder, Colorado suspect identity prior to shooting. 50 FBI agents were enlisted within the Russia-Trump investigation to push a narrative. 13 FBI agents were dispatched to Talladega Speedway to investigate a garage pull-down rope and push a narrative. Thousands of FBI hours have been spent investigating the January 6th Washington, D.C. protest. And once again, another, I'm reading this, and once again, another terrorist carries out a mass shooting where the FBI knew the suspect in advance. The FBI knew in advance the Pulse nightclub shooter and were tipped off by the local sheriff. The FBI knew in advance the San Bernardino terrorists. The FBI knew in advance the Boston Marathon bombers and tipped off the, were in, uh, tipped off by the Russians. The FBI knew in advance Garland, Texas shooters. The FBI knew in advance the Parkland High School shooter. The FBI knew in advance the Fort Hood shooter. And now the FBI knew in advance the, uh, I'm not going to name him because you know I don't do that on the show. You only can take so much. As a human being, not just as an American, someone on the right side, you can only take so much. And because Everything is kind of coming down on you right now if you're on the right. It can be really, really hard to simply accept a fact right now, but I'm going to give it to you, and I'm going to give it to you straight, all right? Your men and women who run the FBI, I'm talking about the people at the top because that's what matters. Don't tell me the why, you're the individual agents. Yeah, they don't matter. I get that. Not t- they don't decide the direction. They don't decide who goes where and who does what. I'm talking about the leadership of the FBI. They've all been educated in government schools. Then they all moved on to America's elite universities. Have you paid any attention to what they're teaching in government schools in America's elite universities? 
The people who run the federal law enforcement arm, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, they believe America sucks. They believe America is a deeply racist, misogynistic, evil, polluting place that should be much different than it is. They believe white people, white domestic terrorists are the real enemy out there. Now, how's that, how's that come into fruition? I mean, how, what does that look like on the ground? Here's what it looks like on the ground. As big and powerful and wealthy as the FBI is, there are only so many of them. There are only so many people there. There's only so much money. There's only so much time in the day. These are all finite resources. If you're going to do what the head of the FBI, Christopher Wray, has done, he's testified to multiple times and say, white domestic terrorists are the biggest threat. And you're going to issue manuals and pamphlets and training about the white domestic terrorists and white supremacism and nationalists and things. If that's going to be your focus, then things are going to slip through the cracks. If you're going to send 13 FBI agents to NASCAR to investigate a garage pull string, things are going to slip through the cracks. Here you have somebody. And again, I'm not going to give you his, I know you know his name. I'm not giving it to you because I don't, I don't believe in spreading the fame of these guys because that's part of the reason they do it. But the history of this person he had red flag after red flag after red flag after red flag. It's always somebody known. It's somebody you know. It's somebody you should have done something about, and you didn't. While you were hunting down Ma and Pa who wandered into the Capitol building on January 6th, real people with real hate and murder in their hearts are out there. You and I have to accept this. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, they're not on your side anymore. And, man, that hurts to even say, right? That sucks. I grew up, I, as a young boy, I grew up, the, the guy on TV with the blue jacket and the yellow FBI letters on the back, who, as a young boy, didn't have a moment and think, oh, that's cool. I remember when I shoot, I remember I was seven, eight, nine years old, maybe, sending a letter to the FBI telling them I wanted to be an FBI agent one day, and they sent me back a packet, and I thought it was the coolest thing. So, man, this hurts. But it is what it is. I'm going to talk to Tiana Lowe about that and anti-Asian hate crimes and other things. Hang on. Pure thunderstorm does something pretty cool. It's an air purifier. It's a quiet air purifier. It's a quiet, small air purifier. I've had the air purifier three-foot towers. That's all I've ever had. Not this one. Just plugs it in, stays right on the wall. But it does something really cool. It kills and prevents the spreading of mold and fungus and mildew anywhere in your home. What if I told you no more itchy eyes? Watery eyes, sneezing, runny nose, how much you spend on Kleenex every single allergy season. This thing doesn't just cover up bad odors like so many do. This thing removes them completely from your home. 
I own three of them. I'm not making that up. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. When you use the word Jesse at checkout, that gets you 10 bucks off. EdenPureDeals.com, code word Jesse. Joining me now with the Washington Examiner, Tiana Lowe. Tiana, first and foremost, before we get to all this ugliness with the FBI and whatnot, the Asian hate crime stuff. I saw you had some things to say about it. I I love talking about this stuff because I don't think ethnic tensions are new. They're certainly not uniquely American, but every American seems to think they're uniquely American. What say you? So we obviously know that these cities where there has been a dramatic uptick in Asian American hate crime, it's not San Diego, it's not Cleveland, it is New York City, San Francisco, Oakland, primarily cities that saw vast amount of under-policing last year. So crime across the board increased, and I, I mean, in part, probably because of the lockdowns, you know, you fewer people going into business districts, so urban areas then just became a vacuum filled with crime and thugs and bums. But also, though, you know, uh, these attacks have been primarily directed at older Asian immigrants in historical Chinatown. So a part of it, yeah, a part of it is probably racially motivated. I mean, we saw during the Rodney King riots in 1992 in L.A., you know, Koreatown was decimated by predominantly black rioters. Um, and that's where, you know, the mean, the rooftop Koreans with guns come from. Um, but the bigger thing, the bigger bogeyman that people don't want to address is, okay, A, if we're talking specifically about the hate crimes, then you have to talk about under-policing. Way more than you have to talk about the racial element of it, you have to talk about under-policing. And then the second thing is, if we're looking at how is this climate being created where open anti-Asian discrimination can be given a pass, Look no further than our university system that's, you know, universities are one of the primary gatekeepers into a culture, and they're giving everyone the green light to discriminate against Asians. Tiana, let's pause for that right there for a second, because I always took that, but I mean, as everyone knows, I'm a crude barbarian, so I always just took that as Asian families prioritize education more than most cultural groups, certainly more than my family did, as everybody knows, and that Asians simply get better grades. They qualify for more top universities. The top universities don't want an all-Asian student body, and they discriminate against Asians. Is it more complicated than my caveman self just made it? Well, no. So, I mean, I think you're correct. I don't think anyone's, I don't think anyone's arguing, you know, that, like, Asians have a genetic you know, edge over other races, that yeah. would be insane. Everything's so cultural. I do, think, I, I do think it's cultural. I mean, Jesse, you know, I'm one quarter Chinese. My dad's dad was a fresh off the boat Chinese immigrant, came here as a Chinese doctor, immediately became an American doctor. He would train my dad in, like, algebra and in calculus when he was in, you know, fourth grade. And my <laughs> dad awesome. quizzed me on, and my, da- my dad would quiz me on math on the way to school. It's just a cultural thing, awesome. and it's not even like, and it's not even like we were very deeply ingrained in like the local Chinese American diaspora. It just, it's just a parenting thing, you know. 
And we see this because it's not just Harvard. We aren't just talking about wealthy Korean and Chinese immigrants. If you look at, so New York has their specialized public school system and Stuyvesant, which is one of the highest performing public high schools in the, in the country, it is majority Asian and it is majority students who qualify for free or reduced lunch prices. It is, it, is, it is poor Asian Americans and poor Asian immigrants who comprise the bulk of those really high-achieving students. And we know that, so, that we know that that's honest merit because the only way you can get into New York's specialized uh, public schools is based on one test that's basically like an SAT. No personal statements, no rich mommies and daddies, you know, letting you be the fake CEO of some sort of 501c3 that you want to put on a resume. No letters of rec. It is just based on plain merit. And it tends to be very Asian. And so, I mean, really, Asian Americans are being treated very similar to how the educational cartel treated Jews 100 years ago who were trying to get into elite universities and elite schools. There was a lot of discrimination against Jews in admissions, and now now Asians are sort of scapegoats. All right. I'm going to ask a question that's a dumb one, but I genuinely don't know. Why, if you're a university like Harvard, I know they've been in the news for this, why do you care if every one of your students, or not everyone, but if the bulk of your student body is Asian? In general, I, I, don't, that, I don't think there's some kind of huge Asian racism going on there, but this is an issue for them. Why do they care? Why does that matter? So you have to remember, a lot of these universities have endowments the size of Central American GDPs and small European nation GDPs. In order for them to keep the gravy train going, you have two groups of students that every elite university must admit. One, donor students, kids who they know barely qualify or don't qualify at all, but daddy will buy a building, you know, they sponsor some funds, whatever. The second group are athletes, and athletes basically enter universities through a side door where the bar is significantly lower. That's, this is the fact that these two groups are necessary is what made the college admission scandal so easy to go on. Um, so if you consider if that's, you know, 30% of a student body, what do you make the rest of the 70% of the student body? The fact is in order for universities to keep up their woke credentials, you know, we know that this is just robbing the taxpayers. We know that these degrees do not have a positive return on investment. We know that there is no benefit for hardworking men and women of America to effectively subsidize you know, lesbian dance theory degrees at Harvard, which we do through uh, our entire grant and student loan system because Obama decided to federalize it all, then, you know, they don't want to have a homogenous group of, quite frankly, non-woke Asian American students. I think that, I think, I think in a way, that is it. You know, you can't be accused of being problematic if you can boast how many, you know, right students of color you have, because I don't know how, how Asian Americans sort of got pushed out of the whole, like, people of color card. I think it's just because, you know, if you look at the income demographics, we're too rich to, yeah. to, to, to get the victim points that well, other people of color get. Well, I'll be honest with you. Lesbian dance theory doesn't actually sound like the worst class in the world to me, but be that <laughs> as it may, uh, Joe Biden's pushing gun control right now. 
How much stock do you take in? Is this just standard? You and I have seen it a thousand times, Tiana. Standard Democrat talking points, which are obviously gross after any time there's a mass shooting. Or do you think they mean business this time? It's not that I don't think they mean business. It's that I think this is one where, you know, Republicans who have felt really uncomfortable with, like, you know, Trump's January 6th nonsense can feel a little good about themselves again because this is one where the courts are going to be your best friend because he's going to try and ram this stuff through an executive order and it will be up to the courts to say whether or not what he does is constitutional because a lot of it won't be. Now, the key, the, the, the big hypocrisy that you and I know, because we actually, you know, care about the, the, the rationale behind it is most gun violence we all know is suicide or people who know each other. It is not these mass shooters. It is not radical Islamists. It is not white supremacists. It, 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 it is domestic disputes and suicide. Joe Biden really wants to focus on that. Then you know what you can't do? Defund the police. Tiana Lowe, everybody, Washington Examiner. Tiana, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks, Jesse. Yeah, headline, post-millennial Biden to use bolder mass shooting to tighten up gun control laws. And I'll be frank with you. I don't know how far this goes. I have a hard time believing in this climate that they can get through the votes they need in the Senate to pass a gun control bill. This is what I think. You know, I'm the Oracle. You want me to tell you how this is going to go? I think I have a strong suspicion the way this is going to go, and it might get ugly. And then we'll get to your emails about my communist obsession. Hang on. It is difficult to quit using tobacco. And I will tell you this, not pointing any fingers, but friends and family can make it more difficult with the constant lecturing. You need to quit. Why haven't you quit? You have to quit doing that. You know that's bad for you, right? You have to quit, 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 quit. That doesn't help. What helps is bringing people solutions. So listen, if you have a friend or a family member who dips tobacco or who smokes and they're trying to stop, there's actually a healthy way to quit. It's called Jake's Mint Chew. Jake's Mint Chew is nicotine-free. It's tobacco-free. It's even sugar-free. They have 11 different long-cut flavors, four different flavors of the CBD pouches, which I would highly recommend. And it works. Take it from me. I did for a long time. It works. Go to jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code Jesse. That gets you 20% off. Missed out? Catch up. JesseKellyShow.com While we're still waiting for more information regarding the shooter, his motive, the weapons he used, the guns, the magazines, the weapons, the modifications that apparently have taken place to those weapons that are involved here, I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common-sense steps 
that will save the lives in the future and to urge my colleagues in the House and Senate to act. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines in this country once again. I got that done when I was a senator. It passed. It was law for the longest time. And it brought down these mass killings. We should do it again. We can close the loopholes in our background check system, including the Charleston loophole. That's one of the best tools we have right now to prevent gun violence. Violence. Oh, yeah, that gun violence. Now, what do I think is coming? Here's what I do think. And I yes, you know, I have this huge burden as the oracle of the Jesse Kelly show of being an oracle. <laughs> Quick, Chris, 877-377-4373, jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Here's what I think is coming. I think the House of Representatives, the House of Representatives is going to pass a gun control bill. I do. I do. I think the Senate is going to want to pass it. The Senate's not going to have the votes. not going to have 50 votes. They're not. So I'm looking at a headline. Democrats point to gun legislation as justification for nuking filibuster. Advocates point to Colorado shooting for motivation. COVID restrictions for inspiration. They're already talking about Elizabeth Warren. Biden's apparently holding meetings about it. They're having talks of essentially reducing the amount of votes needed in the Senate to 51. I hate to even say this to you, not because I'm worried about being wrong. We all know I have no pro or I have no shame whatsoever. I don't care, but I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to do it. They're already whispering about, oh, we can nuke the filibuster. Well, don't tempt us. We'll nuke the filibuster. And that's them reducing the amount of votes needed. And the reason I think they're going to do it is this. They've talked about it long enough. They've threatened it long enough. But in general, I take that as a negotiating tactic. You know, don't make me do it. Don't make me hit you. I'll hit you. Don't make me hit you. Oh, okay. We'll, we'll agree on things. But I think, I think Democrats are spreading their wings a little bit. And remember, this position, this cultural position where they own absolutely everything all the way as they do now, this is new for them. For the longest time, this way of thinking was the counterculture way of thinking. They still have, it's an advantage for us, they still have an outsider's mentality. I don't think they fully understand just how much they control everything right now. I think they're starting to, you know, that teenager growing up a little bit, starting to get a little lippy. Starting to maybe stay, that, that good kid who went to bed on time every night, now you catch him up playing video games at 11. Just not, nothing, nothing terrible yet, but starting to figure out just how much freedom he has. How grown up is he? How, how in control is he? They're starting to feel things out right now. That's what they're doing. I think, I think they're going to do it. If not for gun legislation, then for something else that they want. 
I think they're going to go for the big one and they're going to pass something. I, I think they're going to put their heads together and say, now is the time. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. That's what I see coming. Remember, we still have Margot Cleveland coming next hour. As you know, I was pretty hard on Christy Nome yesterday. I am not ready to throw the baby out with the bathwater and just decide that she's a useless piece of garbage because I disagree with her so strongly on this. Margot disagrees with her strongly. I may be devil's advocate a little bit with Margot Cleveland next hour and push back a little and try to half-heartedly defend Christy Nome. Just I, I want to feel her out a little bit. Email. I heard you mention you were at Marcus Luttrell's house having dinner with Dakota Meyer. What a conversation that must have been. I have known men of your ilk as I referenced in an email a few months ago. All I have to, all I can say is much, much respect. Let me be clear about something. I'm not of that ilk. I was an average Marine for four years, a Marine grunt. I'm not Medal of Honor winner Dakota Meyer, and I'm not Super Navy SEAL Superman Marcus Luttrell. But I will tell you this. It was a pretty stinking fun night. Now, I'm getting so much heat about the Rachel Maddow thing and the Jennifer Saki thing. This email says, she looks like a dude. What's wrong with you? AOC and Omar, I can understand. At least they look like women. I thought you were perfect. I guess this is your only flaw. <laughs> you know what? That's not nice. That's not nice. This one says, dude, next you're going to say Rachel Levine is kind of hot. Okay, that's too far. That's too far. I started listening to you some time ago after hearing you on Buck Sexton show, so on and so forth. You now have me questioning my own judgment about continuing to do so. I gave you Harris and Omar, but Maddow and Saki are a bridge too far. <laughs> Hang on, I'm not done. Your daughter doesn't want to talk about why her room is a horrible mess. Your son doesn't want to talk about why he's wearing mismatching socks. Your spouse doesn't want to talk about their bad haircut. Families don't have to talk about everything, but they should talk to plan for an emergency. Pack basic supplies in a go bag, water, canned food, flashlights, batteries, medical supplies, IDs, and some cash. Talk about where you'll meet in case you lose one another. And of course, don't forget to pack the dog treats. Talk to your family and make an emergency plan. Go to nyc.gov slash readyny or call 311 to make your family's emergency plan. Brought to you by New York City Emergency Management and the Ad Council. Seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. These emails are not nice. This guy continues in this email. While I am not quite ready to toss you to the side like Gnome, you better write this ship soon. Seriously, though, great show. Love the history. 
Producer Chris and I share the same first name, so he's probably a decent guy. I'm also a woodworker, although I'm not Jewish. I would make a menorah from I would I would make a menorah from ditch wood. I am a former Air Force EOD who served during Desert Storm. Semper Fi, brother, but get your head on straight, hot or not. <laughs> Chris, we're never gonna let that menorah from Ditchwood thing go. I'm never gonna let that go. I don't hear I don't want to hear about the money you saved. That's disgust it's just weird. It's weird. We're not done yet. Donald Trump. He thinks the future of the GOP is stacked. Hang on. Jesse Kelly returns next. This is the Jesse Kelly Show. It is the Jesse Kelly Show. Margot Cleveland coming up in about 25 minutes. Talking about Christy Nome. How big did she screw up? How big is this? Did she screw up at all? Had some Christy Nome defenders blowing me up. We shall see. Headline from the New York Post. Donald Trump reveals who he thinks is the future of the stacked Republican Party. And here are the names. Ron DeSantis. Heavy D. What? That part didn't make it into the article, Chris. Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, Christy Nome, and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. That actually, that's actually not a bad list. That's not a bad list. What? Chris, what? What's your, be honest, what's wrong with that list? Chris said it's just too small. Is that all we have? Look, here's the truth. This is, this is. This is this part sucks because this part makes politics sound so exclusive. You know how long I've been yelling about, oh my gosh, are we down to the last hour of the show already, Chris? We this show just flies by for me. All right, anyway, you know how long I've been yelling about uh, we need to be purposeful about our buying and spending. We need to balkanize and we need to run for office, local office, school boards, you know, local city council. State House, State Senate, that kind of thing. We need to do that. We need to take over the government institutions as best we can. But on the national level, on the presidential level, it, it's really, really exclusive, and we don't like to talk about that. It costs a billion dollars with a B to run for president of the United States of America. Either A, you are absurdly, uber, infinitely wealthy and can drop a B on that. And there aren't many people. Look, there are plenty of billionaires. There aren't enough people out there who are 
a billion dollars liquid. It could just stroke a billion dollar check for it and will because you're not getting it back. It's not like there's some return on investment. Even if you get elected, you make 400 grand a year. A billionaire makes that in an hour. So Chris complains because the list is too small. And I understand that there aren't many people who can do it. The, the revolution, the counterculture rebellion that you and I are now part of, whether you like it or not, you and I are part of a counterculture rebellion. It's going to be led by somebody from some kind of position of importance, super wealthy, already elected. It just is. You like to imagine, and look, I'll be honest, I like to imagine too, it's going to be the construction worker throws his lunch pail down and takes a seat at the head of the table. That's not how it works. Even Julius Caesar, the populist leader, man of the people, came from one of the wealthiest families in Rome. It's going to come from somebody up there. And another reason we don't like that is not just because it makes us feel excluded. Nobody likes to feel excluded. You're not welcome here. Nobody likes that. We don't like the people we have in general. Now, you have your people you love. You know I love Ted Cruz. I like Rand Paul. I personally think Rand Paul's too short to run for office Quick, or run for president. I do, Chris. Chris, look it up. I'm not making that up. I'm not trying to be mean. Chris, how tall is Rand Paul? Come on. Give it to me. How tall is he? Let's go. Dead air. 5'4"? No chance. Absolutely no chance whatsoever. And this will be hilarious, the hate mail we get from this. Look, there is such a thing as human nature, and there is a reason most of the leaders historically have been taller people. They just In the television age, virtually every president has been tall. You can't change things about human nature. When you look for a man to lead you, you look at bigger men. You just, you just do. It, it, look, it's we can't change who we are. If, if you want to, like I talked about before, who are the women you see on television, whether it be local news, national news, cable news, whatever, are they ugly women for the most part? No, they're all dimes like Rachel Maddow. I'm kidding. She's not quit. I'm quitting. Quit. I'm kidding. She's not a dime. I didn't say that. Stop. Dear Sombrero Jesse. If Germany wins World War I and communism is stopped, what do countries like China, Cuba, and Russia look like today? Would communism keep knocking at the door until someone let it in? Love the show. P.S. Why has no one called you the Ron Swanson of radio yet? If you don't know who he is, look up the best of Ron Swanson on YouTube and enjoy it. Chris, right now, while we're talking, forget about that. Look up the Ron Swanson peri- uh, period Pyramid of Greatness. Ron Swanson Pyramid of Greatness. Let me know when you have it. Yes, I know who Ron Swanson is, and that's hilarious. You just called me that. Now, I said this was an argument. I mean, we have so many stupid arguments and stupid things that come up on this show. It is. It is. It genuinely is amazing. This show was heard coast to coast in the United States of America. All right. Uh, It was brought to me, I think it was last Friday, the question was brought to me, if you could give modern-day weapons to any historical army, who would you give it to? 
And I realized the person probably wanted to know, who did you want to see, you know, have tanks in old days? I just simply took it as, who did you want to see win a war, win it quickly and easily? Like, who's the losing army you wish would have won? And I came up with World War I Germany. When you look at everything that came from World War I, everything that came from post-World War I, why wouldn't I want Germany to win that war? If I give Germany all the modern weapons, look, they dang near won the thing in the beginning anyway. If you give them modern weapons, Germany wins that war in like a day, maybe a week tops. Okay, so what, what don't I get? Well, I don't get America completely changing its thinking on foreign policy and getting in that war, which we did. We were a completely non-interventionist country up to that point in time. They had to beg, borrow, and steal to get us into that war. So America never gets in, so boom, advantage to my country. Germany never gets wiped out in the post-World War I reparations we hammered on them, which doesn't wipe out the country and doesn't create the environment for an uber-nationalist like Hitler to rise to power. So, oh, we also don't get the Holocaust. We don't get World War II. We don't get 20 million dead Chinese, 20-plus million dead Russians. You know what else we don't get if Germany wins that war right away? We don't get the 1917 communist revolution in Russia. You're telling me all I have to do is give World War I to to Germany and I don't have Hitler or communism? Tell me a better answer than that. But the, the question was, is communism stopped? No, I don't think it was stopped. It was already, look, the reason they had the communist revolution in 1917, to be totally fair, it was already festering in Russia. Now, the thing is, it was all the places communism spread because of Russia that really, that really, really caused so much death. Does it ever really take power in, the, in China if, if it doesn't take power in the Soviet Union, remember all these guys, China, Vietnam, Cambodia, all these people, all these huge communist countries, Cuba, Venezuela, all, they were all leaning on the Soviets, learning from the Soviets, being guided by the Soviets. All right, we may play you the pyramid of greatness, and then we're going to continue on. Communism on your campus? Somebody's doing something about it. Hang on. Let me tell you something about my Eden Pure Thunderstorm, my air purifier. I now own three, but I think I need to clarify. I got one. I loved it. Takes away all the odors in the house. Kills and prevents the spreading of mold and fungus and all this stuff. Cleaned up my allergies. I had one, though, and very quickly, I didn't have any. Why? Because my sons walked in my room... And loved how my room smelled so much that they stole mine and took it to their room and I had to go get another couple of them. But look, 
Is there a better endorsement of a product than I own three of them and I love them? Get yourself an Eden Pure Thunderstorm. It's just pleasant. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com. Use the code JESSE. That gets you 10 bucks off. Jesse Kelly returns next. You know, for most states, the age required to legally purchase a rifle and the age required to cast a ballot are both 18. However, there's some shocking disparities in uh, legal state requirements for obtaining a weapon versus casting a ballot. In 25 states, voters must be registered and have specific forms of ID in order to cast a ballot. But those same states allow people to buy rifles without permits and require no background checks for some sales. Additionally, in a majority of states, new voters are able to obtain a rifle quicker than they're able to cast their first ballot. It seems to me that we have our priorities entirely backwards when it comes to this, when we make it easier to buy a gun than we do to cast a ballot. Oh, gosh, they're so dumb. Virtually everything he just said is wrong. Oh, and I should just say, it's the Jesse Kelly Show. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Jesse Kelly DC. I'm also on Facebook. I will absolutely be banished permanently from those sites, so find me on Locals as well. We have a show Twitter where sometimes we put up maps and clips of the show. We're going to be putting up more clips of the show from the, for the future because you all seem to love those. But it's at Jesse Kelly Show. Whenever Chris actually remembers to put the clips up on there, Chris. Anyway. It's easier to own a gun than it is to vote. Yeah, it should be. A vote is more harmful. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not trying to be crazy, but somebody said in this quote, he didn't say I could use his name, otherwise I would. But apparently this is a quote from Judge Learned Hand. That doesn't sound right at all, but this is in the email. The quote is this. Whoever said it, this is what it is. Liberty lies in the hearts of men and women. When it dies there, no constitution, no law, no court can even do much to help it. You you know, something hit me about year ago at the start of the coronavirus thing. And it had never hit me this bad before. I'd had highs and lows as far as, you know, my thinking on Americans and, and what our, what are the, where our patriotism levels are. I'd always had those. But when coronavirus came out and I watched so many people succumb to fear so quickly and run home and do what they're told and hide under a bed and drown themselves in hand sanitizer and face masks and please just don't hurt me and little Billy can't go to school and ah! It did, it hit me hard. I'm never going to run for office again. Why? I don't feel like America shares my views on America. Oh, I know the chances are really good that you do. 
But why do I want to lead people who I differ from? Even people now, even people right now who are mad at Joe Biden about this or mad at Joe Biden about that, setting Joe Biden aside, do they hunger for liberty? Is that really what they want? Oh, I'm, I'm mad about this. Oh, yeah, okay, you're mad about that, but what do you want? What do you want? I don't think a large enough percentage of Americans yet value liberty because a large enough percentage of Americans have never had it taken away. But you will. But you will. Remember what I told you about balkanizing? Campusreform.org headline. Florida lawmakers introduce bill to combat Chinese Communist Party influence on college campuses. Florida state lawmakers are currently working with Governor Heavy D. They call him Ron DeSantis in here. I don't know why. On legislation aimed at combating foreign influence on college campuses in the Sunshine State, including by imposing a ban on the creation of any Confucius Institute. According to First Coast News, the legislation SB210 That means Senate bill. (laughs) I give people so much inside baseball stuff, Chris. SB 2010 will require the state to monitor foreign gifts to colleges and universities, ban taxpayer money from funding foreign cultural centers on campuses, and place strict vetting on foreign applicants for some research positions on college campuses. The proposal would require every public institution of higher education to report any gift of $50,000 or more received directly or indirectly by any foreign government or foreign person, according to DeSantis, who spoke during a press conference on March 1st. Quote, over the last decade, the Communist Party of China has been meticulous and deliberate in their economic infiltration across the globe, stated DeSantis. The growing presence of those those Chinese Communist Party influence in domestic in international affairs as one of the most pervasive threats to American security and prosperity. And my goodness, this dude is, even if he's not a true believer in all this, and I don't know the man, I've never met the man, believe it or not, I've never talked to him, never sat down with him, I don't know Heavy D at all. So I don't know what he actually believes. But man, is he a guy who very much understands the pulse of the right right now. And more than anything, That's really where Christy Noem screwed up. Talk about not getting the pulse of the right and thinking a defense of that is, well, we're going to, we're, we're, we might lose to the NCAA in court. Do you think that's what the right wants to hear right now? Do you think the right is going to be, oh, oh, so, so you did it because, We might lose in court. Oh, I totally get it. Well, just let the boys play with the girls then. That's fine. Talk about missing the mark. Talk about losing the pulse of the public. These bubbles, we all have a bubble. All of us. You do, I do. We all have some kind of a bubble. And that's not necessarily bad. It can be harmful, but it's not necessarily bad. Your bubble that you have, that I have, is really a bubble of your own making, of your own choosing. What is my bubble? Well, I'm not I'm not 15 anymore. I'm, I don't have to go to school and hang around a bunch of people I don't like. I'm 39. I live where I want to live. I hang around the people I want to hang around. Not only am I 39, 
I'm 39 and I'm a narcissistic sociopath. So I'm perfectly fine with being rude. I hang around with only the people I want to hang around with and none of the people I don't want to hang around with. I work with the people I want to work with and none of the people I don't. I watch what I want to watch and none of what I don't, unless the wife or the kids get to choose what we're watching that night. But that's a different story. What I'm saying is I have and you have to some extent, we've created bubbles for ourselves where we really just hang around people we enjoy hanging around because they're kind of like us. Well, all that's fine for a human being to some extent. It is a really dangerous place to be if you're a politician. Christy Noem can defend it all she wants. Go on Tucker Carlson, try to defend whatever she said. But the truth is, Christy Noem, I'm guessing, surrounded herself with some really, 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 I don't want to call them bad people, some unhelpful people. Some unhelpful people. You have, as one of your main advisors, a lobbyist for the Chamber of Commerce, and he's whispering in your ear, we can't afford this. Think about all the jobs. Think about what Amazon's going to leave. This business is going to get hurt. Tim's Fried Chicken's going to get hurt. This uh, uh, Larry's Auto Shop's going to get hurt. These people are going to get too much economic. The people are going to hate you. Ah! Oh, okay. Uh, all right. I'll, I'll stop it. You get yourself as a politician caught in these bubbles and it can burn you bad. Remember what I told you, the Chris Christie rule. You can be at the mountaintop. You are one gigantic mistake from being an internet meme on the beach somewhere. Don't let it happen to you. We're going to talk to Margot Cleveland about exactly that next. Hang on. Hi, we're the Goo Goo Dolls. We're fortunate that we can give our daughters everything they need to grow and learn. But not every child can focus on classes and play dates. Nearly 13 million kids in the U.S. face hunger. That's one in six. School lunch might be their only meal each day, and it's heartbreaking to imagine any child going to bed hungry. We're dreaming of a perfect day when kids can smile, play, and just be kids without worrying about where their next meal will come from. Feeding America is working to make that perfect day a reality. Each year, the Feeding America network of food banks rescues billions of pounds of good food that would have gone to waste. That food is given to families and children in need. Being a kid should be about doing things that make an ordinary day extraordinary. Learning to play an instrument, building a sandcastle, hosting tea parties. Hunger should never be an obstacle to growing up. You can help end childhood hunger in your community by visiting feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. It is the world-famous Jesse Kelly show, Chris. As you know, I've been awfully hard on Christy Nome for a couple days. Margot Cleveland, senior contributor with the Federalist, has been real hard on her, too. I want to know if we're being too hard on her. Margot, uh, on the surface, from uh, honestly, from anyone outside of her office's view, 
This decision of hers looks like the dumbest political thing I've ever seen in my life, and that is saying something. What am I missing? I absolutely agree. From a political standpoint, it was ridiculous. If she had actually wanted to back down and have any political clout, she should have come out and said, look, I wanted to sign this, but I was threatened. Our state was threatened, and I owe my constituents an obligation to protect their interests and their livelihoods. So I can't sign this. I have that obligation. And you know what? That's actually a valid point. I would prefer that she fights. We're having the individual Americans fight and being doxxed and fired. I'd much rather a governor fight. But if she's not going to fight it because of the monetary consequences to her state, then she should come out and say that, not come up with things such as, oh, we don't want women not to be able to compete at the NCAA, which is ridiculous. It would not impact any female athletes from continuing to compete who are in South Dakota. Okay, so what was she threatened with? Because all I hear is she was threatened with Amazon leaving. She was threatened with losing tournaments. She was threatening with things like that. She was obviously threatened with something that made her back down. Right, but that, but that's all the monetary point. The spin has been, well, this law will not survive. Well, you know what? If it wasn't going to survive, you could have still proposed changes that would have protected college athletes given a remedy, maybe just injunctive relief. So she could have changed it in a way to address the defects, but she was threatened with the lack of having the tournaments. And that's very different than the way she's been presenting it. She's been presenting it as if I let this go into effect, the NCAA is not going to allow female athletes to compete. That's not true. They might pull the conferences. They might pull the tournaments but it's not going to impact the individual athletes. And I think that that's something, if you listen to what she said on Tucker, if you read the statement she sent back to the legislatures, and if you listen to her press conference, all three of those she implied she's doing this to protect female opportunities at the NCAA, which is absolutely false. Okay, Margo, I mean, I'm asking you to psychologize somebody I don't even know if you know. I certainly don't know her. Explain to me, is this... Is this somebody who wants to be president? I guess I guess maybe maybe she doesn't want to be president. I, I always considered her to be one of the front runners along with Heavy D and a couple others. I did. I actually was kind of looking for her as a, a veep and have a senator in there uh, at the beginning because we need someone strong with a foreign policy as well as having a, an executive. But I don't know. I don't think that she understood the consequences it would have to the supporters. I don't think she realized that this really would be the death knell to any national campaign. If you can't stick up for biological facts and science, when you're pressured by organizations, how are you going to stand up and do something on a national stage? So I don't think that she realized how negative the, the backlash was going to be. Margo, explain this to me. I, I struggle with this. Setting aside Christy Nome, South Dakota, everything else, this issue, the trans women's sports thing, 
Uh, there is very little that unites this country right now. The two sides are in opposite of everything, and they're racing opposite directions. But down to the average person, this unites 95% of the country, I would guess. Am I wrong in that this is an issue that I that virtually everyone agrees on, yet it's we're losing control of it? I, I think they do. I think that the average Joe and Joanne can't be pushed so far to deny science, reality, and see what is happening. You can only have so many sound bites and so much spin before people say, you know what, this is too far. And in some ways, that's why this was so disappointing. This is kind of the, the break it. If we cannot stand up for biological sex and say there is a difference, then what possibly are we going to stand up for? And if our leaders are not going to do it, they're not going to be our leaders. If they're not going to come forward and say, they're bullying me, I don't care. I'm going to fight this, and I want other states to join me. But do the right thing at the beginning, and the people will be behind because they see how ridiculous this is. Uh, Margo, where does this stop? Because I'll be honest with you. I I used to hear people say things like, "Wow, they'll be they'll be openly endorsing marrying kids within a few years," and I thought, "Oh, no, no, they won't." And now I can easily see where that's going. There is no end to it. If you just decide a man can become a woman and destroy her at women's track, there is nothing they won't do. Right, and that that's why I say this is this is the fight that if our strong leaders. And that's who, what the governor has been. Some leaders are not going to stand up here. There is no break. If, if we lose on, on this issue, and when I say lose, it means that society now imposes a anti-science, quote, reality on Americans, there is no end in sight. And that's why this is so important beyond the specific issue. It's a matter of you know, saying no more. We're not going to put up with being bullied by corporate America, whatever the organization might be, when it requires us to profess a falsehood. So you're absolutely right. I don't see how there is an end when we can't put the brakes on something as obvious as this, that men and women are different. You can't change from one to another. And no amount of you know false talk spin is going to change that. Margot, are there other states who have passed laws like this and signed into law? And if so, I mean, has the world tilted off its axis? <laughs> well, Idaho has, okay. and there there was a district court that uh, stayed and, and put that law on hold, and the opinion was scathing, and it was actually in some respects, very wrong. But there were some legitimate concerns about how invasive it is to that the state could, you know, inquire and require scientific proof that you are a woman or a man. And here I, I can see a complaint there. But that would have been fixed in an easy way, which, you know, the governor didn't do. But going back to Idaho, NCAA, right after that happened, they issued a statement saying, you know, this is horrible. And then there was a discussion of whether they were going to pull tournaments. You know what? 
they didn't pull the tournament for the NCAA basketball from Idaho until the pandemic, and they pulled them from everyone and sent it to Indiana. So no, things didn't go up in arms. But, yes, that law was challenged, and so far the challengers have succeeded. This is where, again, if the governor wanted to fix what she saw as a problem, one, she should have done it earlier. You don't say, I look forward to signing it, and then later say, oh, you know what, there's too many problems. And two, she could have addressed the problems without gutting the law, but she didn't. If she wanted to protect college students, she could have done that. She didn't. Margot Cleveland, everybody. Thank you so much, Margot. I appreciate you. Great. Thanks so much, Jesse. Take care. It's uh, it, Chris, I'm weirded out by it because it's such a political gimme. I, I, I just feel it's such a gimme. It's, 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 it's handing me a double cheeseburger. I'm going to eat it, but she threw it in the trash. We're going to talk about a lot, that just a bit more. Hang on a second. stocky follow like and subscribe on social at jesse kelly dc get healthy you have to get healthy make sure you get healthy get healthy it's time to get healthy is there anything worse than constantly being badgered by this we we know we get it we've got to take some steps to take care of ourselves i I certainly do but that's not a solution i like people who give me solutions don't tell me get healthy. Tell me what specifically I need to do if I'm out of sorts. I I have a history of blood pressure problems, heart problems in my family. That's just my genes. I can't do anything about that. I don't need somebody to tell me, take care of your heart. I need solutions. I love Super Beats Heart Chews. Natural solutions. Plant-based solutions. I eat two every single day, and so should you. Go to GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. That's GetSuperBeats.com slash Jesse. Buy two bags. Get the third free. I've been developing the Swanson Pyramid of Greatness for years. It's a perfectly calibrated recipe for maximum personal achievement. Categories include capitalism, God's way of determining who is smart and who is poor, crying, acceptable at funerals and the Grand Canyon, rage, poise, property rights, fish for sport only, not for meat. Fish meat is practically a vegetable. Haircuts. There are three acceptable haircuts, high and tight, crew cut, buzz cut. Are the scissors broken in your house, son? (laughs) That was from the show Parks and Rec. The character's name is Ron Swanson. Do not look him up in real life. Of course, in real life, he's a total lefty, system-loving nutball. In the show, he's this hardcore right-winger, and he is the best Being called the Ron Swanson of radio might be bigger than all the compliments I've given myself, Chris. What? But, and did you see, did you see Kamala? This voice, it's, you know what? 
I don't want to bring everybody down. But I'm still having a hard time accepting, setting aside the, the absolute lie that she's about to tell here, this voice as president of the United States is coming. And I believe that it is possible, it has to be possible, that people agree that these slaughters have to stop. And this is, again, reject the false choice and stop pushing it for sure. Stop pushing the false choice Mm -hmm. that this means everybody's trying to come after your guns. That is not what we're talking about. And I believe that Mm -hmm. it is possible. That is not what we're talking about. Well, that's weird. Nobody... Nobody's trying to come after your guns, Chris. I don't know what you're so paranoid about. Well, we're still waiting for more information regarding the shooter, his motive, the weapons he used, the guns, the magazines, the weapons, the modifications that apparently have taken place to those weapons that are involved here. I don't need to wait another minute, let alone an hour, to take common sense steps that will save the lives in the future and to urge my colleagues in the House and Senate to act. We can ban assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Yeah, nobody's coming for your guns. We're just going to ban these weapons and magazines. <laughs> of course, right, let's, let's stop beating around the bush here. We all know what this is. Like I've told you a thousand times, communists don't look at anything, anything, Mass shootings, famine, disease, war, any they don't look at anything and actually care about that thing or care about the human loss of life because communism at its basis is an anti-human ideology. They don't actually care about it. Communists look at every single thing and simply say, how can this be used to advance the cause? And one of the main causes of the American communists is getting guns out of the hands of the American public. Why? Well, I'm not like everyone else. I'm not going to beat around the bush. They want the freedom to hurt you if you don't if you don't comply. That's not an, it's not an accident. I've had people email me and tell me you you don't understand, Jesse. In communist countries, you don't even bring up guns. Or they will take you away. People who've lived under communism or parents have, and they'll email me. You, if you bring up the concept of guns, the government will come take you away. Why? Well, because they want all the power. American communists are no different than communists have always been. They always, always, always have wanted you disarmed. Now, they haven't had the political capital to pull that off. Yet, but that's the goal. And why do they want that? They want to hurt you. I don't dance around that subject. I don't have to. There's no other explanation for the creepy, creepy Democrat obsession with guns. Do you understand what a disgusting statement that is from Joe Biden when he made it? He made it the day after that shooting. The day After the shooting, somebody sent their husband, wife, son, brother, sister, daughter to the grocery store and they died. And they're going through the worst moment of their life. Every parent, spouse's worst fear. And the president of the United States of America looks at it and thinks, oh man, there's a real opportunity here. You know how 
soulless you have to be to think like that. But that's communism. That's why it's a religion. It is not a political ideology. We've talked about the Aztecs a thousand times just because of that, just because of the forgetting human sacrifice, the child sacrifice. Dragging children up to the top of a temple. Kids, man, what's better than kids? And cutting their hearts out while they're still alive. And not doing it to people yelling and screaming, doing it to people going, woohoo, yeah. How does one, and they're humans, don't demonize them. Like I said, like we talk about Nazis and all these people, they're human beings, they're not demons. They're made of flesh and blood like you and me. How does a human mind get that depraved? How? Well, you worship the wrong thing like a god. That's why the communists are what they are. Hang on. Jake's Mint Chew makes quitting dipping tobacco bearable. And I am not here to sugarcoat things for you. You know that's not exactly my style. Oh, quitting dipping was, that's the most fun I've ever had in my life. It was so easy. You're never going to hear me say that. Quitting dipping sucks. Quitting smoking sucks. But you can get things to help you make the transition. And I, I, I know Jake's Mint Chew has 11 different long-cut flavors, and I love those too. And everything is tobacco-free and nicotine-free and sugar-free, and I love all that. All that stuff's good. But I'm here to tell you, the CBD pouches, they work. They really help keep that edge off. And if you're sitting at your desk at work dying for a dip or dying to go outside for a smoke, they're a great clean option for you. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Use the promo code JESSE for 20% off. Eight seven seven three seven seven four three seven three. Jesse at jessekellyshow.com. Email me your love, your hate, your death threats, your ask Dr. Jesse questions. I see Target has decided they are abandoning their Minneapolis location. It really is. It's one of those things that we've talked about on this show, but we haven't probably talked about it enough. We haven't done a little background, a little a little accountability session about all those Antifa Black Lives Matter riots and the absolute carnage they left behind. And the poor people who live in those neighborhoods are now stuck with worse goods and services, worse everything. And the American media cheered and woohoo, burned down your neighborhood. You're oppressed. Look how oppressed you are. And then they packed up their TV cameras and they left. And now you're stuck with nothing. Gosh, that's so grossly unfair. All right. We are going to have some more fun tomorrow. we got a great story already for you. That's all.
The Jesse Kelly Show. You don't have to dip forever. You know that, right? You don't have to smoke forever. And the reason I say it like that is I have been that guy. I, I've been that guy. I dipped for so long. And what would happen is I would decide I'm going to quit. That's ah, bad for me. I'm going to quit. I'm a man. I don't need any help. I'm just going to quit cold turkey. And I would fail time and time and time again. I tried things like the patch. That didn't work. Gum, sunflower seeds. I, I tried it all. It's just a matter of finding the right thing to help you quit. That's Jake's Mint Chew. Go, put in your dip. Just make sure it's Jake's Mint Chew. It's tobacco-free. It's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. And I highly recommend, just a personal choice, I highly recommend their CBD pouches because it really helps take that extra edge off. Get a jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE at checkout. When you do that, you get 10% off. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.